0: And welcome to episode 121 of the Lace Him Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: We are right in the middle of playoff hockey, and we've got several 2-0 series leads or deficits, depending on uh, which team you cheer for, if your team's in the playoffs to begin with. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about uh, the storylines from uh, the first couple of days, and uh, one of the questions we're going to ask is, which team is the most likely to bounce back from a two nothing deficit, a two nothing series deficit? So that'll be one of the questions we tackle uh, in our main topic. We've also got uh, some off season storylines, including a culture of losing in Buffalo. Question mark. Uh, we'll talk about that in a rapid fire. And uh, no Bruins sends because uh, there's nothing really going on. Um, at the moment, uh, as far as Bruins Sens news, well, the Bruins are playing, but about uh, to the say Sens aren't. There's a uh, fair and, amount of Bruins news. <laughs> yeah, there are plenty of Bruins news to talk about, but yeah. we'll be talking about that in the main topic. Sens news, I'll probably like, put into a blog or something like that, because there were some noteworthy things to talk about, but I don't think we'll have enough time to get to it, so yep. we'll save that for another day. Uh, but first, uh, before we get underway, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia... Uh, the NHL Centennial Edition uh, this week, we're going to be taking a look at question number 10. Brett, are you ready?
1: Yep, I am ready. I actually look forward to this. Excellent. Now, <laughs> well, here's your question, then.
0: Who owns the all-time record in Canada's three major junior leagues? So that be the OHL, the QMJHL, and the WHL. Mm-hmm. For most goals by a rookie in one season, your options are A. Don Murdoch with the WHL in 1974-75. Wayne Gretzky with the OHL in 77-78. Uh, that's uh, B. C is Pat LaFontaine with the QMJHL in 82-83. Uh, D is Eric Lindros with the OHL in
1: 1990-91. Um, given what I know about those three leagues... I know that the QMJHL has a higher scoring, um, so I'm going to, although I am tempted to go with Wayne Gretzky, I'm going to go with Pat LaFontaine, C.
0: You nailed it. Yes. It was Pat LaFontaine uh, in 82-83. It says here he had 104 goals, 130 assists, uh, which is 234 points. Uh, to put that in comparison, Wayne Gretzky had uh, 70 goals, 112 assists for 182 points, in 77-78. And if you want to compare his stats to Lemieux, uh, in 81-82, he had 30 goals, 66 assists for 96 points. Um, and he played in the same uh, league the QMJHL as LaFontaine did. Uh, so there you go. Pat LaFontaine, you nailed it, buddy. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve.
1: Yeah, the, uh, I guess that was like one of the the few that I've gotten right, I think. Yeah, I think it's
0: your third or fourth, right? Oh, I thought it was
1: my second. Uh, (laughs) No,
0: I think you've gotten at least
1: two. At least two. At least two. So, um, we have a couple of things to talk about early on in the first, um, the first round of the playoffs. To start the show. Um, Just an FYI, we're doing this at seven on Saturday, so we've already we're we're doing this in the middle or at the I guess at the beginning of the Winnipeg, Minnesota game and the Columbus Washington game, Um, and then I guess Vegas. Direction at seven
0: o'clock on Sunday. You said Saturday.
1: Yeah, I meant Sunday, Um, and also the Golden Knights and the Kings play as well. So we don't know the scores of those games, and the final things, but just an FYI before we get started. Uh, that's why we are not talking about that. Um, but we're just assuming we're going from what we know. So uh, we have a list of questions here about um, um, a couple of things um, to help us out in terms of it answering the, um, you know, Recapping the so far the last four days of this, um, you know, the playoffs. Um, and I guess we can just get going on it. And then we have some other news stories uh, just in ca- that we might not get to um, within these things. So we'll see. Um, so let's go with the first question is the biggest surprise um, so far? Um, in the first round. So, uh, let's start. I have a, I have one uh, idea here, but let's go with you first, uh, Steve.
0: Okay. Uh, to me, it's been the performance of two particular NHL teams. And these two teams don't really have the playoff pedigree compared to like a Nashville or a Los Angeles mm. or a Pittsburgh or Anaheim, but they're playing like they've been there before and they're simply owning the moment. Uh, the first team is the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I don't know if you're watching, I uh, game 1 Brett but uh, the Jets were up one nothing. Yep. And Minnesota scores twice to take a 2-1 lead. A young and inex- inexperienced team might not recover from that, but they keep plugging away, they get two goals to take the lead in the third period and they get the win. And then in game 2, they not only outplay Minnesota, they absolutely dominated them on the shot clock. In the third period, it took 15 plus minutes of third period action before many got a shot on goal in the frame. Winnipeg by that point had 14. They end up with a 17 to three shot clock advantage in the final 20. They're able to pad their lead and they prevail four to one. And on top of that, the two guys who are credited with the game winning goals were trade deadline acquisitions. Joe Morrow being the hero in game one, Paul Stastny being the hero in game two. The second team that crosses my mind is Vegas, and what they're doing is more impressive to me because they played a tight game one and were able to sit on a one-goal lead against a team with so much Stanley Cup playoff experience. And not only so much Stanley Cup playoff experience, but this team has won two Stanley Cups this decade, and that would be the LA Kings. And I was even more amazed in game two when they outplayed Los Angeles in the overtime sessions. Like, 13-7 13-7 to 7 shot clock advantage for Vegas in the first overtime. Several 10-bell cracks against Jonathan Quick. They get over 50 shots on goal the entire game, and they end up getting the OT winner in double OT thanks to Eric Holla. These two teams might be new to the playoffs, but they're playing relentless hockey, and I love it.
1: Well, and, and in Vegas' case, they aren't even, um, you, know, uh, you know, this is their first year. They haven't even been in the playoffs before.
0: Yeah, this is their first playoff, the
1: series' first uh, O-team win in the playoffs. Yeah, they weren't even a team before that. Um, my answer here is actually, I mean, I guess it's somewhat shocking because I thought the Anaheim, I mean, I guess this would count more towards the biggest disappointment that we have in the next question, but um, I guess the, uh, the uh, Anaheim Ducks lost their first two home games to the San Jose Sharks. I think it's more surprising that the Sharks are doing so well compared to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, They got, you know, the the Sharks shut out um, the Ducks in the first game, Um, and then it was a little bit closer in the second game, but it seemed like the Sharks just had it going on. Um, Martin Jones has been incredible. He has, you know, he has a shutout, as I just mentioned, and he only has given up two goals um, he has a 964 save percentage, of course. This is only in two games. But it's still uh, pretty impressive. And um, you're talking about free, you know, uh, trade deadline guys. Evander Kane, I was totally wrong with that. I thought that was a terrible trade for them. But it turns out he's like their best player, really, um, at the moment. Um, and he has two goals at the moment. Um, uh, you know, he started, I think he, uh, he got a Goal in both games, the first goal in both games. Um, to yeah, start he actually
0: office. got two goals in his first playoff game as well. And Gibson was making some 10 bell saves there, so it's not like San Jose yeah. was just getting fluke chances, they were getting right. legit scoring chances, yeah.
1: So. And I think that's the more surprising part. I mean, I guess that like, uh, like Gibson I knew was gonna be really good, um, mm-hmm. because but like without Gibson there, I don't think it's it would have been as close, the second game at least, that game would have been like 10-0 um, without Gibson, or, you know, 10-2, I guess, because they did score. But, like, um, you know, uh, so Gibson has kind of gotten them into it, but it's really just their whole, you know, the, the whole skating team hasn't been as good. Um, Hampus Lindholm has been pretty okay uh, to his credit. But, like Ryan Kessler only has one assist. Getzloff has one assist. Corey Perry has nothing so far. um mm-hmm. Andre cachet and Ricard raquel, where have they been? Um, it seems like they're kind of invisible um, you know like i do you
0: find that they're they're kind of having like um they're playing the role of the Chicago Blackhawks. No matter what they do, they can't score.
1: Well, I was going to mention also that, like, they don't have Cam Fowler, which I, we didn't really yeah, mention last time. Yeah, that hurts them too. Um, so, I think
0: they're also without Bieksa, too, aren't they?
1: Um, no, Bieksa played last night, um, okay. I believe. Maybe he didn't. Um, actually, no, he didn't play. He played the first game, but he didn't play the second game. Um Yeah, because it says that he has no time on ice, but he also has a minus one. So I don't Uh, understand that. Um, But, um, yeah, so he he might have played, I guess. They just don't know what his time on ice Maybe they gave him
0: a minus one, like, for being in the press box. I don't know.
1: Uh, That's confusing. But yeah, That
0: wouldn't be realistic at all.
1: Yeah, no, no. But I don't know. It's just like the fact that they have three goals already, like, or two goals in two games, that, and and to, uh, both those goals were in the second game, and there, it's a home game at that, it's kind of, it's just... Yeah, to, to go down 2 yeah. nothing in their own building. Yeah, it's one thing if this was in San Jose, but this is in Anaheim, so it's it's more surprising just that the fact that, like, I don't know, I didn't, like, necessarily think, like, Anaheim were, like, a heavy favorite in the series. Um, I, of course, they did have a home ice, but... Um, they do have home ice, but, like, you know, they have to do better than that. And, of course, I, I think the, the Ducks were the same team that beat uh, came back from, it was like Edmonton almost won the series last, uh, last season um, or the last playoffs, and then, you know, they came back um, and just won. So maybe, the, you know, this is, like, their Ducks thing. But, it, you know, at the same time, it's kind of concerning because then that means that they have to win, You know, games in two games in San Jose um, just to make it even again. Um, I know I'm stating the obvious that they have to win all these games, but um, you know the pressure is definitely on them now. I feel like they're maybe they're just that kind of team that just um, like needs a push just to get going. Um, But like if they can get going, I I wouldn't say this series is over. But um, yeah, I think it's. It's definitely surprising, though, to say the least, that um, they haven't even really been um, good, <laughs> um, to say the least. So here's my warning call to all, uh, like, you know, wake up. I guess this is my wake-up call to the Ducks. Wake
0: up. Don't get shut out. Score yeah. some goals.
1: Exactly. Get That's...
0: shots on net. Get pucks deep. Get bodies in front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insert other hockey cliches here.
1: <laughs> exactly. I like they're listening to this podcast. They have... I'm sure they have
0: sports harder than them.
1: Yeah, I'm sure they have. uh, This is the most important thing that they they have to listen to us. Um,
0: (laughs) All of a sudden, we have credibility.
1: Exactly. Um, Biggest disappointment so far. um, I guess I'll let you go first here. I guess I'm kind of like the facilitator of this podcast. So, um, yeah, yeah, you go you go first here. What 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 is your biggest disappointment so far?
0: I think to an extent, maybe the fact that the Ducks are playing the role this year, Chicago Blackhawks, but I think, for me, it's the way Nashville has started games. Like th- We're talking about a Stanley Cup favorite here. Yep. This team, believe it or not, gave up the first goal in Game 1 and Game 2 on the first shot of the game, and on a few occasions before they really got going. Breidae had to make some huge saves. Mm-hmm. So I give them credit for battling back and taking a 2 nothing series lead despite all that. But for goodness sake, they need better starts to hockey games.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is a good thing that they are playing Colorado at the moment. But like it, I think it's something like the Colorado has scored a goal in the first shot the last two games. Yeah. Um, so... So that is kind of, maybe. do And this I don't know.
0: is in Nashville, too, we're talking about.
1: True. So, yeah, that's not, like, maybe Colorado isn't going to be that, um, you know, easy to defeat like we all thought they were going to be last week. But, I don't know. It is, yeah, you're right. But, again, this is Nashville where they do have depth and they can't afford to come back from that. But, yeah, I guess you're right. That is a little bit of a disappointing thing. I them. do
0: think it will serve as a wake-up call for them, and I think they're going to be better for it, because you know, good teams are going to find ways uh, to get their ad together and, and win games their way. So,
1: Yeah. Um, so, for my disappointment, I'm not necessarily sure how I want to go about this, because I don't want to incite the Maple Leafs. Um, <laughs> but I do want to say that I, I did watch all 60 minutes of the two games, and... Um, Austin Matthews really only showed up for like five minutes in the second period of Game 2. So there's that. Uh, That's a little uh, concerning um, if I were a Leafs fan. Um, Like where's Austin Matthews? Where's William Nylander? I've heard all all about these two players, and um, they haven't really shown it. Um, I mean, to be fair, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, are really good defensive players, and they've shut them down effectively. But it is a little disappointing in the sense that you know they haven't been it's good.
2: Not
1: exactly. Um, but so it's, it because I do believe in um, you know uh, <laughs> curses and jinxes and all that stuff. I don't want to necessarily make them my my official. Disappointment, so I'm gonna go with the uh, Washington Capitals. I know they've already, they've only played one game, and it's you know this is you know they usually choke in the first you know in the second round, not in the first round, Um, but um,
0: Uh, the 2010 Habs would beg to disagree with you, my friend.
1: That was eight years ago.
0: Yeah, but they choked in the first round that year. That was a series. It, it, I know Yaroslav Alak was on his game, but yeah. that was a winnable, winnable series for Washington. But that like, was... you look at the offense that they had, they should have won that series.
1: And they also didn't have Braden Holtby, if I recall, if I remember correctly. Also, speaking of great Yeah, Braden...
0: They had, had Theodore and Varlamov, which were still pretty decent goalies.
1: All right, whatever. They, they, they're they more, like, recently, they, they've lost. Recently, in the yeah. Over the
0: past couple of years, they've been a second-round exit. You're right. Yeah.
1: Um, so I know that they, uh, by the time we uh, get to the, um, you know, by the time this comes out, the uh, uh, Game 2 will already play, and I'll probably be, I'll, I'll be fine with being wrong about it. But, um we yeah, should totally.
0: Do a scoreboard check later on, see
1: how they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I already, I've seen, I saw that Winnipeg's up one nothing already. Um, oh wow! But the uh, the the Capitals and Blue Jackets game. It's seven thirty right now, so I think that game's about to start. Um, but anyways, the uh, just talking to game one, they had it basically in the bag. Um, you know, they scored early on in the first period. Kuznetsov gets these two goals. Um, and then, and then they kind of like coast for a bit and then, you know, then slowly Alexander Wenberg scores in the second, then you have Thomas Vanek who ties it. And then you're like, uh, and then, uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly comes in and scores it ahead. And then you're like, all right, so maybe, you know, Columbus has some fight, but you're like, all right, but you know, Washington's got this. And then all of a sudden, Seth Jones scores um, to tie things up late in the in the third. And then Artemi Panarin, which had a beautiful goal. There's nothing that Grubauer could have done there, but um, but it was just like one of those things that they were ahead, um, and it seemed like they were domi- they were dominating in the first two periods basically, and then all of a sudden they just. You know they stop. <laughs> they they didn't even get any shots in the in overtime. Just um, you know, which is crazy. Although I guess Columbus only had two shots in overtime, but um, but still, you know, you would you would think that Washington um, should be consistent throughout the periods. Um, so I don't know. I guess that is a little disappointing. Where you're thinking like, well, they should have won that game. Um, but I guess they did get a ton of rest from the two days, so maybe that, that is something for them um, to look forward to. Maybe a rest will help them out, um, and they can like regroup and stuff. So the series, I wouldn't say the series is over for that, but um, it is close. Um,
0: I think it was an opportunity wasted for them in Game 1, especially yeah. that Wenberg got, uh, um, actually left the game because of... Uh, well, a run that Tom Wilson took at him, and uh, that was a, that led to a penalty that ultimately led to the tides turning in Columbus' favor. And what also should be noted, before Seth Jones' uh, game-time goal, um, Columbus had pulled Bobrovsky for the extra attacker. And I can't remember who it was, but um, Buddy in their own zone just basically backhands the puck almost into a yawning cage, and Dubois saves it from going in. And after that, Columbus scores to tie the game. So a little bit of luck goes the Cats way, and maybe we're not talking about of oh, what if the Cats didn't uh, th- throw away that missed opportunity. So I, I think, in-, in all honesty, I wouldn't call it disappointment because we're almost expecting the worst out of Washington now. At least yeah. I am. Because every single year, and I said it in the podcast uh, last week, I said In many previous episodes before, no matter what they do, they just, for whatever reason, can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. They can't get over that hump. No matter how good they are, no matter how hard they try, they just always seem to come on the wrong end of the score sheet. And it was the same old song and dance in Game 1, hopefully a better result in Game 2. But um, it it disappointed me, but it didn't really surprise me that uh, Columbus got the upper hand. Or or that Washington didn't get the upper hand on Columbus, I should say. I'm glad that Columbus actually went up ahead in the series. That's never happened before. Good for them.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's That's a good point. I mean, you know, I I still have some hope left for them. I still think that they can pass the hump because, I don't know, I don't, don't, like, it's just because something happened in their past doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen now. And also, it's like, when they lost last last playoffs or last year, we all were like, change things up, you know, because the group that they have now isn't working. And then they did change things up a bit. I mean, they didn't really get a target, but they did, you know, they did change things up for sure, because they got rid of, um, I mean, I guess they kind of had to, they got rid of Carl uh, Alsner's no longer on the team, um, they kept TJ Oshie, they... Uh, Got rid of um, Marcus Johansson. Um, You know they, but like they didn't really bring anyone in. Um, But you know that is a change. So I I feel like, and now we're all like, oh well, the Caps aren't going to be good this year because they didn't. You know I feel like that's a little strange to say the least. But to be um, fair,
0: though, they're going up. It always seems whenever they're ready to make that uh, to get over that hump, they were facing Pittsburgh. They're facing Columbus right now.
1: True. True. Yeah, there's also something to be said for the fact that Grubauer has been starting for them instead of uh, Holby, which I guess makes sense. You know, you ride the hot, hot hand, and um, yeah. and then you always like in case Grubauer. I, I'd assume if Grub, if they lose tonight, um, yeah, Holpe's then they'll go play. to Holpe for
0: sure for game three. I would yeah, imagine. yeah,
1: but like. Um, I think that also has something to do with it. Maybe like Rubauer ha- isn't ready yet per se, maybe, but um, we'll see. Um, all right. Any changes in your predictions? Speaking of uh, last week, um, any changes in your predictions? So I'll, I'll give it off to you again.
0: <laughs> I think the Vegas LA series might end quicker than seven games. Uh, so I think as far as predictions, uh, the only thing that's going to change is some of uh, the lengths of the series. Um, okay. I think Tampa New Jersey could end quicker if the Bolts continue to be opportunistic. Yeah, uh, if Anaheim gets behind three uh, nothing, I think they're going to get swept. And uh, I think LA Vegas and Leafs Bruins could go down the same route if uh, the Kings and Leafs falter in Game Three. Um, but I am not going to fold up predictions that haven't worked out in my favor so far. I think the Ducks, to an extent, and uh, the Leafs have a little bit of time to get back in the series. They're yeah. too good to be down three nothing. Um, but I can't see them coming back if they go
1: down 3 nothing. No way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i kind of like you. I don't want to, like, make any drastic changes, because, I, like, I am disappointed in the, the Ducks. Um, I do have them going far, but I don't think they'll necessarily... I, w- I, w- I mean, I would press the panic button for this series, but I'm not going to be, like, I don't know, necessarily pressing the panic button. Um, the only bigger change, I think, is that I think Winnipeg um, has been playing better than the the Predators have. Um, so I think they may they may beat the Predators in the second round. I think that's certainly a possibility. Um, yeah, I think that's the the biggest one I have so far. Um, and as they say, uh, series isn't over until or things don't get serious until the home team loses in a game, so, um... And unless
0: you're Anaheim, uh, then, theoretically, if if that works out, you're fine.
1: Exactly. I mean, and Washington. The
0: have lost twice at all.
1: And Washington and Philly as well, so... Right, um, that's
0: true too, yes.
1: Um, so yeah, that's gonna be a weird series, the Pittsburgh-Philly, um, series, but we'll get to that in a bit, um... Yeah, so I think those are the only big changes um, I have in mind. Also, the Golden Knights look pretty good, so they may go far as well. We'll see. Um, of the teams that are down to nothing, which are the most likely to come back, so these are the Devils, the Leafs, the Avalanche, the Wild, the Kings, and the Ducks. Um, again, the Caps are down by one, are only by one game. So we won't know, but um, we're just going to include those six um, instead. So the Devils, Leafs, Avalanche, Wild, Kings, and Ducks. So I think that's all the Western Conference teams and half of the um, Eastern Conference matchups. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll I'll go to you. (laughs) What What do you think?
0: I doubt the Avs can bounce back against the Preds. I mean, they gave it their all to their credit in the first two games. They caused a bit of a scare in in the early stages of both games, but once Nashville woke up, it was over. All the Preds need is twenty five to three minutes of quality hockey to beat these guys in games one and two. And once they really get their act together and play a sixty minute game, um, Colorado's done. I
1: think. I think Colorado has enough to win at least one game, but I don't think they'll. I think
0: one game for sure. But anything more than that would be kind of pushing it there. Yep. Although, although it would be nice to see. I get that. Um, as far as New Jersey goes, the Bolts were shooting about 50% in period two of game two. They scored four times and chased Keith Kincaid from the net. Um, I think Tampa, like I said, is too much for this team, so I don't think it's New Jersey. Um, and if New Jersey does come back, I think it's more a Tampa loss than New Jersey won it. Um, yep. I think for Minnesota, they need to take games three and four on home ice just to have a shot at winning the series. Uh, if they only get one game, the Jets are going to shut this thing down in five games instead yep. of six. Uh, like they've won 11 straight at Bell MTS place dating back to March 2nd, which is absolutely astounding. And we saw, how solid they were in games one and two buffling, but buffling was hitting everything that moved for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Just the atmosphere. Um, uh, of, of uh, the Winnipeg whiteout, uh, if you will. And uh, just the fact that they were able to, as we mentioned before, uh, go up in front and won nothing in game three. Like, yeah. uh, nothing seems to face this team right now. So I don't think it's going to be Minnesota. Um, Vegas has got a lot of momentum uh, after that OT win. So I don't think the LA Kings are going to do it. Like, Alec Martinez played over 40 minutes in game two. They didn't have Drew Doughty. I can't see them bouncing back from that. Um, and I think the most likely would be Toronto.
2: Okay.
0: Because if were 10 minutes away in 2013 from erasing a 3-1 to one series deficit against Boston, advancing to round two. And in my opinion, this year's Leafs are better than that 2013 squad. And that Boston team they lost to ended up going to the finals that year. Yeah. Um, one thing that's going to have to change the Bruins can't be all over Mitch Marner because over the past two games, they have, and they've succeeded in shutting him down. They've succeeded in shutting down Matthews and Nealander as well. Um, those three guys really need to be effective in order to at least have any shot of tying the series up at two and they need to win games three and four at home, uh, in, in order just to make this a series. If, if, if they only get one, I think Boston ends up winning in five as well. Um, and I've, to all the people who think, although the Leafs have played poorly, yeah, they've been outscored 12-4 in um, the first two games. They've had a lot of bad luck going against them as well. Like, you look at game two, Casper Kapanen had a short-handed breakaway yeah, chance sure. to go off the post. Moments later, the Bruins extend their lead on that same power play. And Nikita Zaitsev, probably the unluckiest person on the ice that night, he got caught chasing... I wouldn't say unlucky. Goal. He but... gets beat by DeBrusk on the second, and then the third banks off of him. Hmm. Like, in this game of bounces, the Bruins have been getting pretty much all of them. So, I don't think, I, I. while I do think the Leafs haven't played great, I think a little bit of luck has gone Boston's way as well.
1: I wouldn't say it's luck, um, per se. Zaitsev hasn't been exactly great in the defensive end. Especially in the last game, as you just mentioned, I wouldn't but call that, that
0: particular on that particular sequence. I wouldn't sequence call that apparently.
1: luck, though. I mean, I don't know. I th- I feel like that was just you know the Bruins have just outplayed them these past two seasons, these past two games. Um, however, I'm not going to say that this series is over because, like I just said, they haven't lost a home game yet. So um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily like that. Um, and I think you know the, the Bruins are just just have been better defensively than the Leafs have been um, all throughout this series. So I think um, that's that's just shown the that's been the big difference so far. Um, and they also
0: won the special teams battle too, which is yeah, huge.
1: And and the Bruins have more depth than the Leafs do at the moment as well. Um, however, I, I don't want to. Say like I don't want to be that cocky Boston arrogant stereotype, (laughs) and say like it's over. Like why we should just go to the second round, you know? But right because um,
0: we all know sometimes uh, Leaf fans say that like play the parade
1: exactly. So I I don't want to say that it's over, but um, the Leafs have been thoroughly dismantled in the first two games. Having said all that, so um, I could. I I would, lo- I don't want to say it's over, but I think it's, vi- like, if they don't win tomorrow night on Monday, um, I think this series is over. Um, Are you
0: getting much- the aura of, man, this is easier than I thought it would be?
1: Yeah, I am. As a Bruins fan, I am. I thought there would be more of a fight, and I... And that's why I'm so hesitant to say that it is yeah, over. that's why you're scared to say I'm it's like, over Because cause I'm like, because I'm like, like I know, you know, up, right? you know cause I know that this is the least we're talking about. You know, people have been talking them up, and we're like, um, you know, they've been saying that this is going to be a close ga- series and all that stuff. And, and I'm like, so far, I'm like, but we also have Patrice Bergeron who's being a force, and like P- Passerne is, like, basically Wayne Gretzky. It's, you know, it's... Uh, Brad Marchand's not doing any... You know, he's being a pest. And um, we'll get into Codry's suspension. Like, they don't have a... They don't really have a second-line center. They only have Austin Matthews now as their center. Um, and, you know, the Bruins also get Riley Nash back. or probably going to get Riley Nash back pretty soon. Um, and he's going to be big for them. So... Um,
0: and then on top of that, they have Ryan Donato, yeah. who um, you know got to play game two. That was nice. True.
1: So I don't like it. For me, it's I am like, I'm like, I'm at a ninety percent excited for the next round, um, and ten percent worried that the Leafs are going to come back. But I know that I'm. That's going to bite me in the in the butt. <laughs> When it, like, a part of me
0: wonders if this is going to be like Boston-Vancouver in 2011, where every time the other team wins,
1: it's by oh, yeah. a goal,
0: and if, every time the Bruins win, it's by a lot.
1: Yeah, that that's certainly possible. The I just don't want the Bruins to become complacent in these next two yeah. games. Um, I mean, for, obviously, if the Leafs win these next two games, then it, you know the series is back on. But um, so, but you know, at the moment, I'm like. If they keep on playing like this, the, I mean, Bruins might win the cup if they if they continue to play like this, and um, that's kind of what you need um, in the in these games is just uh, you know just get like being hot basically just going um, doing that. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I did hear that like the Leafs defense wasn't that good. And then I like, and then when I watched them in the series, so I was like, "Oh, they're actually they actually aren't that good," you know. So um, I think that might be their downfall um, towards the end. We'll see. Um, I think
0: just the maturity level as yeah. well. Like the Bruins seem to have a been there before kind of mentality, and and they seem to have learned. I think uh, what uh, the 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 thing about uh, these two teams is that. The Bruins were playing against a sense team last year in round one that knew how to play the right way, that knew how to get under their skin. And I think they took a lot away from that, whereas the Leafs faced a good Washington team yep. that they played pretty close. But again, Washington versus Boston, I think Boston's the better team right now.
1: Yep. No, I agree. So
0: I, I think that's partly... Uh, Another reason why I think the Bruins took and out a lot more of their series from Ottawa last year than the Leafs did of Washington, and not, that would prepare that would prepare them for this.
1: And not to mention, if you're comparing them from last year's team to this year's team, the Bruins have a lot more depth this year. I mean, <clears throat> less injuries uh, than they did last year. So, That's um, true. so there there is that aspect of things where the Bruins are healthy. Really, the only the only player that. is is injured now is, uh, is Brandon Carlo and um, Riley Nash, but like Brandon Carlo isn't as big of a um, issue considering, you know, the defense has been pretty good without him. So we'll see. Um, However, to answer my own question, um, I think the dev, I don't think, I don't want to say these are sweeps even still, um, yeah. but the I think the Devils will win one game, uh, at least. Uh, the Leafs will probably win one game at least. Um, Avalanche and Wild are the closest, I think, to being swept, but I think they'll manage to get uh, to win one. I've already talked about the Ducks. I am worried about them, but I think the Kings are the most likely to come back because go you know, Jonathan Quick's has been an incredible. Uh, they pushed the uh, the Golden Knights to two overtimes um, in the second game. It could have gone either way. There were so many chances for the Kings side uh, to do that. So um, I think the Kings might actually pull this off, and they they could, you know. I think this game, this uh, that series. I mean, we all predicted that series to go seven, but I think the the Kings are um, in better shape than all the other teams, uh, just because the. uh, like, both games have been really, really close. I um, mean, it could have, it could have been, you know, it could be, two O Kings, um, instead of 2-0 Golden Knights. So
0: right, because both yeah. games were decided by a goal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, there
0: wasn't and, that much separating them. You're right, and and
1: and in fact, like the fact that the Kings didn't have Drew Dowdy in the second in the second game, um, that would have probably would have helped them um, in the second game. So um, that's. You know that's something to think about. Where I feel like the king, like the Kings, uh, could uh, you know make it worth it. Um, and and uh, it's not over for that in that series. Um, all right, so um, so we got. Through. By the way,
0: just a quick scoreboard check. Uh, the Jets were up one nothing. They're now down two to one with less than two to play in period number one. And uh, the Caps have an early lead on Columbus. Fifteen seventeen left to play in the first
1: there. Oh, I thought it was still tied, Winnipeg, Minnesota, but I did see that watch. Yeah, and, and
0: Minnesota just scored, like, three seconds ago.
1: Oh, are you watching on the hour <laughs> recording? No, uh,
0: I, I checked the NHL score ticker. I'm not actually watching the game live.
1: Okay, because so I get updates on my phone updates on my phone whenever a goal is scored, so I didn't get the Minnesota goal. I just got it right now, so I was just like, oh. Unless
0: okay. it's under review, you should probably get it any second But No,
1: I, I, I just got it. <laughs> it was just, okay, <laughs> it's like oh i guess it's sorry right. um but yeah google yeah exactly. um, if we uh, okay so we should probably talk about some things um, that happened we we kind of touched upon them a bit but we can we can go into more depth here so um, kadri got suspended um, he's out three games or i guess two games now um you know, insert jokes of, oh, I guess that's it for him, huh, funny, um, but, um, what happened was Tommy Wingles, uh, elbowed Mitch Marner, um, it was around the corner, um, and then a couple seconds later, um, basically hit, um, hit, uh, uh, Wingles in the head, um. To the boards, he was defenseless. The puck was nowhere near him, um, and uh, he got. You know, it was this, like
0: it was like uh, Wingle's was like bent over, yeah. like or slouched over, and, and the knee, like, like he went into the boards, and he wasn't hitting Wingle's. He just like hit the side of his head with his knee. Yeah. So it's not like you know, like Wingle's like was standing up and was you know like in a position to take a hit. Like he was totally in a vulnerable position. Like he has no. Kadri has no business making that play. None
1: yeah. Whatsoever. Um, what did annoy me is all these Leafs fans came out and saying how Wingles uh, should have been penalized and Kadri was only doing it to protect his teammate and stuff. And it was just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess w- Wingles should have been penalized for that elbow. That was a, that was a clear penalty. You want to Fight the guy. And that too. and also he like. that. Well, no, my my point is more that, like, sure, that should have been a penalty, but that doesn't, yeah. like, that doesn't even, like, equal. It doesn't
0: excuse what he did, no.
1: Exactly. And it's also, like, yeah, and like you are saying, like, all right, if you want to take, like, if you have a problem with it, then try to fight Wingles. Don't, like, just hit him like, uh, you know, he's, um, as a defensive player, like a cheap shot like that. And then the other one that annoyed me even more was Leafs fans were saying how because the Bruins have Brad Marchand um, that we're hypocrites because we're critical of Nazim Kadri, which is ridiculous as well because... Nazem Kadri's also a really dirty player too. He's also he's
0: basically just like Brad Marchand. Yeah, a third like, scorer that doesn't need to play like that, but sometimes he does. And it exactly. gets him in
1: trouble. I was about to say, like Nazem Kadri's like a Brad Marchand light, a poor man's Brad Marchand. Um, yeah. but um but yeah, that that was dirty too. So it was just like um I don't know. And it was also like I feel like whenever Brad Marchand does those dirty plays, it's not like he intends to. I don't think. Whereas this was like, Kadri tried to kill Tommy Wingles there. So and I was I, I,
0: I was taking a look at his post game quotes, and I'm just trying to wrap my head around like, okay, yeah, uh, how does that make it clean? Like it. Yeah. it doesn't his explanation didn't justify what he did at all right. it made no sense
1: and the, and that was the other things of like people trying to defend him like oh he was just trying to defend Mitch Marner who was like what <laughs> like again if you want to defend him fight the guy exactly yeah so uh, of course a Bruins fan and a Sens fan um, are gonna have issues with this but um, but yeah I, I think this is a common opinion or a rational opinion um, for this take here. Um, and then, um, speaking of which, Drew Doughty, um, I actually didn't see this, but Drew Doughty got suspended one game. Um, I think he hit, uh, I don't know, Oh, uh, was, uh, Stoner, was it? Oh, no, no, um... Uh,
0: William Carrier.
1: Carrier, yeah. Um, but Carrier's out... Out of the, like, he didn't play game two or something like that, so, um... So there was that, but um, yeah, it seemed like that was a, that. I don't know if that necessarily should have been suspend worthy, um, but um, I mean, Doughty gets suspended, and I think they, I, I, as I mentioned, they probably could have used him in Game Two um, for them. But yeah, do you have a thought on on that hit? Well.
0: See, in my opinion, this Hadry be suspension, because if you're going to suspend Dowdy for at least one game, you got to mm. suspend Codry for multiple games. And that's why I think three games is the right amount for Codry. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I, I think at the end of the day, head contact was made regarding the Dowdy play. Head contact was made. In today's NHL, you'll want to avoid that. It looked like it was an avoidable play. Um, in my opinion, it looked like a flyby shot to the head, minus the intent. I don't think he did it on purpose, but it didn't look good, and and you you can't let that slide. You need to condone that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think one game was was kind of fair. Um, what's interesting is that William Carrier actually passed by and, and he said he thought it was a good hit, which oh, is wow. which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, that um, interesting. but I was I taking a look at uh, some of Drew Daddy's comments, so. Uh, Did you read uh, the exact quote here?
1: I know he was uh, supposedly, um, he he didn't like the suspension call.
0: Okay, I got the full quote here if you want me to read it. Sure, read it. Okay, so here it is. Quote, as far as the suspension goes, I don't think for one second that this is suspension worthy. On the hearing and whatnot, we came to the conclusion that I did not intend to hit the head. I did get his shoulder, and the thing we kind of didn't agree on was that he didn't move or alter his position to make him vulnerable to the hit. You can clearly see in the video he plants on his right leg, going off his left, opens up his left shoulder, tries to jump on the inside, and that's why he ends up in the middle of the ice. I don't think it's suspension worthy. I think it's BS. Really, it's awful. Watching the games last night, I guess he got four. I guess he's got five or more, four or five more to give, and he's referring to. Uh, the Department of Player safety guy, George Peros. And so he continues, and, and this was a rather physical game. That should be noted. It was the teams combined for, like, at least 110, 120 hits, something like that. So uh, Doughty continues, you got to play physical. What, you want me to let that guy go to the net and get a scoring chance? I'm not going to let him do that. Like I said, I did not at all intend to hit him in the head, and I 100% got his shoulder first. I definitely hit the head after that, but maybe a penalty call or something like that. But suspension and in the playoffs, I don't think so. Like I said, I saw four hits last night that deserved more games than that. So we'll see what George Peros does now. And he does bring up a good point because Tom Wilson uh, took a run at Wenberg. He didn't get suspended for that. Um, trying to think of some of the other instances, but that was, that was the one play that uh, kind of stuck out to me. Oh, uh, there was uh, Johansson hitting Tyson Berry, and that didn't deserve that. Didn't get any further discipline from the league as well. So I, I, I think I think it's all the message behind consistency. Like if you're going to suspend me for doing that, then I'm guessing those other guys should get suspended too. I think that's the point he was trying to make there.
1: Yeah, I guess that's yeah. That's a, all right. Interesting. Um Okay, so let's uh, go on to, uh, I have your Pitts-Phillies crazy series. Um, So the first game was pretty much all Penguins. Um, It was 7-0. Brian Elliott looked like Brian Elliott of last year. Um, And then game two was 5-1 Flyers. Um, And Brian Elliott kind of looked pretty well, pretty good. He looked like
0: Brian Elliott from two or three years ago
1: exactly and then um and then game three happened where it's 5-1 Penguins um and Brian Elliott went back to looking like Brian Elliott um of last year so um yeah this is a kind of an interesting series um also uh Matt Murray uh ended his he had a shutout streak of three games uh, because he had a shutout in the Stanley cup finals. Uh, you know, the last two games in the Stanley cup finals. And then he uh, shut out the flyers in game one. So he had like a shutout streak of like 200 minutes or something like that. Um, so, so that's kudos to him for doing that. He's definitely a, uh, you know, he shows up during the, during the playoffs for sure. Um, you know, obviously. It, I think
0: it ended at, like, 225 minutes and however many seconds.
1: Yeah. I guess that, that's an understatement to say that he shows up in the playoffs. The guy has two cups, already. Um, but, yeah, it is um, it is an interesting... Because, like, I, I just remember thinking after game one where it's like, oh, the Flyers are done. Like, of course, they don't have goalies anymore. And, you know, their defense stinks. And then... And then the next game they score, you know, then they score five goals against the Penguins. I'm like, all right, Well, so not, maybe, not only did they score five goals,
0: keep in mind that Matt Murray
1: yep. um, had a 1.69
0: GAA and a 939 save percentage at PPG Paints Arena in postseason play, along with a 14 and 2 record. Yeah. And you look at uh, Elliott's performance or his eight games, like. 0 oh, and 7, GAA over 4, save percentage around 850. Like it's, it's clearly, obviously going to go Pittsburgh's way, and
1: then it doesn't. Right, yeah. It's also, um, like uh, Sean, uh, who was it? I think it was Sean Couturier had a really nice assist to uh, Nolan Patrick, um, yeah. and that was nice. There was Crosby had a couple of, Crosby had a hat trick in the first game. I'm um, including one where he uh, he hits it off uh, in the midair, which is just like am- this is like the second time he's done it, um, or the third I think. It's you know it's it's funny like I was thinking about this is if this was like any other player, this would be like the talk of the town even today if they did. But since it's like Crosby, it's like oh all right. What what else can you do? It's just, and it's
0: and it's Crosby against Philadelphia, yeah. and he's done. He's burned Philly so many times in his career. The Flyers fans are just like, please don't remind us again. Right? Like, we right. know how good he is. He reminds us every time he's out there.
1: No, I know, but like, like, imagine if this was like I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example. Like if this was like, if this was Patrick Laine, or if this was um, um, if uh. Artemi Panarin did that. I feel like people would talk about that a lot, um, but um, right. you know, well, like uh, you see
0: it from you see it from Crosby so uh, so often. You're just like, eh, yeah, exactly. Just, him, just Crosby being Crosby, and that
1: just shows more about how much of a legend Crosby is than yeah. than anything. Um, I also i I said that Nolan Patrick scored. Um, also Nico Heischer scored um on Saturday as well. Um, so this was. I found this stat out here. For only the fourth time in NHL history, the top two picks from the last draft have scored in the same playoff year. So Heesher and Patrick this year in 2018, Turgeon and Shanahan in 1998, Kluzak and Bellows in 1983, and Howard, Chuck, and Smith in 1982. So um, so that's kind of cool that like, both Nolan Patrick and Nico are in the playoffs to begin with. Um, in their rookie year, um, and they're able. I mean, I guess it uh, partially. I mean, it, I was kind of surprised that this was like the first time, in or like this is like it doesn't happen more often. But then when I started to think about it, I guess like if you're one, if you're drafted one and two, it's even hard to even make it to the playoffs. So, um, you know, the Flyers barely like were uh. Like you know, almost made the playoffs last year, and it was kind of a miracle that they even got to the second pick in the in the lottery. So there is something to that, but um, but it was just, like the Devils, I guess. It just shows that the Devils were able to make playoffs, and this kind of thing can happen. Um, so I thought that was kind of a cool step. Um, speaking of Patrick Line, I did mention him a bit. Um, he was. He was picked number uh, second overall uh, a couple years ago, um, or two years ago. Uh, He uh, during the end of game two during one of his goals, he played. um, He taunts the wild bench by playing the violin with his stick, Um, like you know, like kind of like he's sawing his hand. Um, I love this. It's I I feel like we need like the NHL has been. Uh, one of the biggest problems with the NHL is they don't really have a ton of personality guys. Um, and Patrick Laine, um that was kind of like a, like, and, you know, it's all about like respect for other players and, you know, that's fine, but uh, that's also boring at the same time. So I, I just love the fact that he, um, he plays this violin kind of like calling it like it over. Um, it was kind of like just in front of the Wilds bench and like, I think the wild uh did retaliate at the end of the game um they did start like a brawl, but I think that was just um throughout but like you know it's it's just an awesome thing to see um, I just wanted to give credit to uh Patrick line for being uh for being one of the best like personalities now um in the league
0: mm-hmm. and. If- I'm kind of mixed on this because when the other team is trying to fight you with about 10 seconds left in a game where they've just been bumped down a school grade or two, and when that team is in desperate need of a source of momentum, what Patrick Laine does when he scores that goal may turn this series against his own team. And I think it all all depends on what happens tonight in game three because at the moment, it either looked like he was scratching his armpit to tell them how much they stink, or that sad violin trick that would piss them off just as –
2: much.
0: Yeah. And if Winnipeg takes Game 3, it's not going to be a big deal. But if Minnesota takes Game 3 and turns the series around, it could be a TSN turning point of the series. So I, I admire his creativity, but you know, if if there's like a time and a place if it's I would, have rather, I would have been okay with it 100% if it was Game 4 when it was just like we're up 4-1 to one and there's nothing you can do about it. The series is going to be over in a couple minutes yeah. enjoy it.
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair. I don't know. I I, I kind of I just like the fact that he it's like a, taunting someone, but apparently no, you,
0: you said you said there was a connection to this, right? Yeah, I was about to
1: say that. Uh, apparently, he was he was asked about this post game, and he said that it was uh, like Miko Koivu used to do it um, to teams in a. Um, in, uh, for, like, when they were on Finland, so he was doing it as a tribute to Miko Koivu, who happens to be on The Wild, um, but, like, I mean, that is kind of cool in its own way, like, in the opposite way, like, oh, you're doing it for a tribute for a guy who's in the, but
0: if you ask any know, of the, the other special. guys and they don't know, yeah. then they're just saying, oh, yeah?
1: Right. Speaking of which, speaking of Miko Koivu, he has two assists at the moment, so, I don't know, maybe that did spark him up. Um, the, uh... Alright, let's go to... Um, Alright, we're 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 kind of fast for time here. Uh, the Golden Knights-Kings second overtime It was the most... Um, I mean, it was the longest game for the Golden Knights, obviously. And for
0: the Kings, actually, as and well. And the
1: Kings as well. But, yeah, it was kind of cool. I thought I thought the game was going to go to, like, five overtime, so it was going to be one of those things, because so it seemed like like no, like everyone was just gassed, um, but yeah. no, not really. Um, and then uh, David Pasternak um, has nine points in two games, um, and uh, which is pretty nice. Uh, it's not bad. Um, he had six points in uh, three goals and three assists um, on game two. He becomes the youngest player in NHL history with six points in a playoff game. Um, Wayne Gretzky had that title. Um, He is 21. David Pasternak is 21 years old. Wayne Gretzky was 22 at that time when he had six points. Um, He ties the Bruins record for points in a playoff game um, with Phil Esposito in 1969 and Rick Middleton in 1983. And he also ties Esposito for most points, nine through two playoff games in NHL history. Not just for the Bruins, so, um, so yeah, he's a. Uh, it, it seems like uh, David Passer I remember like uh, there was some talk um, in Boston that like Brad Marchand and Pasternak didn't really show up last year. Um, so it's kind of cool to see that like Pasternak's definitely showing up now, and it's, he even like showed up with like a top hat and like um, like a plaid suit. Um, before the game, it's just, you know, he's full of energy. It's, it's kind of amazing that, uh, 23 play, uh, teams passed up on him, um, in the 2014 draft. So, um, we're, we're lucky that we got him in, um, in that draft. Um, He's also
0: got four goals, five assists, nine points, and a plus-six rating over those two games, which puts him first in all those NHL categories heading into Sunday's action. And that actual top line of Pasta, Marshawn, and Bergeron is in the top three as far as playoff scoring goes heading into Sunday's action, too. So, like you said, you're right. That whole line has been huge for the Bruins.
1: And I think, like, those, those three players have 20 points combined and nine of them yeah. are for Pasternak. Um, it's just um, and like Bergeron and Marchand have kind of shut down Austin Matthews um, on the other end. Um, so that's that's just uh, it's just amazing to see that. This is like it's, I remember we did like a top line, top three line, top lines in the NHL episode early on in the season. Um, I didn't mention the the Bergeron Marchand Pasternak line. Uh, you didn't even mention them in your top five, um, but I did put them in the top three. I think this solidifies them as the top one line um, in the league. Um, definitely,
0: definitely adds to the argument, and also you can't forget Marshawn's ability to, so uh, like I I don't know, seduce the other team is the right word. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he was apparently getting into it with Komarov, whether he wanted yeah, to yeah.
1: be a part of it. Or I not, think so. I think he was only doing it because uh, apparently like. Kamarov was trying to get Marshawn to like fight back and get force him to do a penalty. Um, yeah. so so there was a, but then Marshan did the same thing for Leo Kamarov. It is kind of funny like this is what happens when two pests try to mess with each other. Um,
0: well so. and he actually did it before early in the yeah, season yeah. did the exactly. same
1: thing to Kamarov. I thought that, yeah exactly that's kind of funny. Um, rapid fire we have to do this really really quick. Cause we're in an hour now, but um, Alain Mignon is officially fired. I thought this was kind of, they should have done this, you know, in January, but I guess they just called it a lost season and figured why not just, you know, like let him go through this entire season and then fire him. But um, it was still, I still felt like they should have fired him early on in the season just so that they like they couldn't call it a lost season, per se. Um, but, um, yeah, at the same time, I guess it's not a shock, per se, but I think uh, Vanille will probably get a job somewhere. Um, I'm just not sh- necessarily sure where. Uh,
0: by the way, it leads me to uh, a little bet, a little wager that we made. Oh, yeah. um, so I predicted... Um, Back in November, December of 2017, that Claude Julien would be kicked out of Montreal before Alain Vignon would be dismissed by the Rangers. Uh, Brett, you went the other way, uh, and your suspicions were confirmed last Saturday following uh, the Rangers season finale. So, as a result, I will now have to say something positive about the team out of the big four leagues that I despise most. Actually, the team in the whole entire world that I despise more than any other. And that would be the New York Yankees, a okay. team that I'm sure you hate just as much as I do.
1: Yeah, I probably would have chosen the Yankees as well if I lost that bet. Maybe the so, Canadians. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or.
0: yeah, up there, for sure. Um, so I, I have to say one good thing about the Yankees now. Uh, so my compliment is that I'm amazed as to how they find the money every single year to afford some of Major League Baseball's finest. Like, I honestly don't know how they do it. They're always attracting big-name talent for a lot of money. They've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Um, and I'm just waiting for the day they finally run out of cash, and it just doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. So, um,
1: Although you could I say mean, the in same. In my
0: opinion, you must have a lot of dedication, a lot of cash to maintain that reputation. So kudos to Yankee ownership for that.
1: You could say the same for the Red Sox too but uh, yeah. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not, because it feels no, like. <laughs> no, no,
0: I'm, um, I'm, I'm being genuine. kind
1: of <laughs> yeah.
0: not, but I kind of <laughs> am.
1: No, I'm joking. But yeah, it's, uh, it's true. Um, now, uh, I did. Taking a
0: look at Vigneault's future, like, it, it's going to be interesting, because like, yeah. there's a lot of head coaching uncertainties, but I, I think there, are, there are some spots where he could be good. The fact that the Rangers are in rebuild mode right now, I, it doesn't entirely surprise me why they make a move like this, uh, especially if they thought there was, like, a Bruce Cassidy out there. Yep. And I am I think we all know what we're talking about, the type of coach that knows how to utilize the veterans with the young players and will do right, it right. well. Um, the or one Girard, difference Girard. is the Rangers are not the Bruins. Like, Lundqvist is older than Rask. Yep. Sucarello Hayes, and Nemesnikov aren't as dominant as Pasta, Marchand, and Bergeron. And while Spooner has elevated his game upon arrival, he and Jimmy BC still have some growing to do. Right, and their defense is very young as well. So I can see someone like DJ Smith landing a job, but do I expect similar results to what we've seen in over the past eighteen months? Highly doubt it.
1: Well, I don't. I don't think you can really compare it to that um, because it's it's just a little bit different. But um, because I think it depends on. I don't know. People people forget that the Rangers have the Lightning's pick and the Bruins pick in the first round. So and their own pick. So they have three first round picks and at least and it looks like the Bruins and the Lightning will probably play in the second round. So you have like at least a guaranteed uh, pick in the twenties. Um, so like I don't know. They could they could have a, a nice youth system there. Um, the only reason why I feel like it's a little different from the Bruins is just because all the prospect guys were already there and he built a rapport with, you know, Cassidy built a rapport with all those guys in the AHL already. So there is that difference. But, um, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I think the Rangers are a couple years away um, I know that Kevin Shattenkirk was injured for most of the part most of the season, so that may have something. You know, they'll get him back, and he'll be healthy next year. So it could be like something like a Colorado Avalanche type situation, where like this season is just a lost season, and then next year they can come back and be actually uh, pretty good. Um, but we'll see what they do in the off season. I think. I know uh, Lindy Ruff.
0: What's also, also kind of interesting is how they approach their assistant coaches because
1: yeah.
0: uh, before Vignon was actually dismissed, uh, he, he thought that without a doubt he was going to return, and that he thought one of the strongest assets of the organization is the coaching staff and the experience that it brought. Right. But clearly, experience wasn't enough to save him from the axe. So, it makes you think that Lindy Ruff and Scott O'Neill are safe as well? True. So, like they they could. In a, going in a different direction with their assistant coaches. Who knows?
1: Yeah, that's a good part. I don't. I hope they don't pick up Lindy Ruff. Um, yeah,
0: because you essentially, yeah. like, why would you fire Vigneault for a guy with the same kind of veteran experience as Vigneault?
1: And who doesn't, like, and also, like, Lindy Ruff is known for not having, being good on the defensive side of things. So, um, and that's what the Rangers would need. Um, in this sense, so they need a guy who, um, who can be good on the defensive side of things, and I don't think Lindy Ruff would be the guy um, for them. Uh, Ken Hitchcock uh, officially retired, um, and so now the Dallas Stars also have a vacancy um, in their coaching position. Um, this was kind of interesting because I thought. Ken Hitchcock retired last year, but then he got signed to the Stars. Um, like he, he he said that the to the Blues that this this was his last year, and then he went to the Stars, I guess because um, he and just before, before wanted that to he was end it too mid Yeah, and he just wanted to end it on his own terms, I guess. Um, yeah. So there there may have been something to that, but um, I guess it's not too surprising considering. What happened, um, he may have been fired already um, just because, you know, the the stars basically uh, choked um, at the end of there. So, um, yeah, we'll see uh, how that goes. I know you were saying that you think this means that this is a landing spot for AV. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that they'd be a good fit, but um, it's possible. Um, anything else on Hitchcock?
0: that he's gonna remain uh, on with the stars as a consultant. And okay. that was agreed uh, when when he decided to retire from coaching. So it's it's just happened uh faster than expected.
1: Um but uh you did you you said that you thought that A V might be the coach for the Stars, is that right?
0: Off off the air I thought so because you know there's you know they got experienced offense. Um, they've got a pretty decent goaltender in Ben Bishop as well.
2: Yep.
0: Um, I I, I, th- I think they could be a playoff team under Vigneault, but um, it, again, it, it becomes a question of you know where's your defense going to be at at what level because you know under Hitchcock, you know your your team blew a gasket in the final month and didn't make the playoffs. So yep. what what makes you think? Uh, I guess. You know, a lot of people will be asking, what makes you think Vigneault could do a better job with that defense? But uh, I, I just think right now there there are a lot of names that could have been out there that aren't going to be out there. And I think that kind of limits their options. So it's kind of like, well, ideally if, there were, if so-and-so and so-and-so is available, we take them, sure. but they're not. And Vigneault is available, and he's probably going to get picked up if – Someone realizes, "Hey, it's time for a change. We need to shake things
1: up." Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that uh, like we haven't, they haven't announced more coaches haven't been fired yet. Uh, yeah, this is the
0: first one all year. Yeah,
1: and they so, saved it for the
0: final day of the regular season.
1: Too. Yeah, I know. So that's, I don't know. It's kind of, um, I feel like there might be more, but we'll see. Um, apparently, Quenville. Uh, speak, so I guess that leads to my next one, Blashville, Bla- Blashville. Blashill and Holland are staying in Detroit, apparently. Um, also, um, I think Joel Quenville and Bowman are staying put in Chicago. Um, so, I feel like if Qu- Quenville left, he'd be the hottest coach to um, to find a team. Oh, there is Daryl Sutter out there, so a, a team yeah, to pick him up. Yeah, there's
0: him too, yeah.
1: I forgot about him, but um, but yeah, so those... I guess it's not too much of a shock per se for Chicago. Cause this is like their first year of actually being bad for a while. But I, I, I think like if they don't figure it out next season for Chicago, I think. Yeah. Then, yeah I,
0: think, then, I think then they might
1: pull the trigger. You're um, right. Although like they also, I've been hearing reports or reading reports that like, uh, Quenville and Bowman don't get along now or something like that. Um, because like if you remember last year they uh, fired a lot of uh, Quenville's right, assistant yes, coaches. Right.
0: Yes. That's correct.
1: Um, and Quenville's rightfully upset about that. So yeah, um, my
0: Kitchen was the notable one too.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So maybe there is something to that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, for Detroit, I guess. I mean Holland is a terrible GM. Um, and he should be he should be out there, but out of there, but I, I don't know. I feel like Detroit's just a dumpster fire at this point. Um, <laughs> um,
0: Odd that we put those two in the same sentence now. Remember when they used to be good?
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It's a good point. Um, there was another one that I was surprised. Uh, oh, uh, Garth Snow is still there as well. That's another one.
0: Until further notice, he's still there. Uh, Flames GM Brad for a Living is right. in need of new contract. It's not certain as to whether he's back. And He was also noncommittal to head coach Glenn Gullitson, which, again, yeah. leads me to believe there could be a Black Monday of sorts happening uh, in the near future. Um, and uh, Pierre Dorian uh, said he would evaluate uh, –
1: the status
0: of Guy Boucher over the, the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, Peter Shrelly would do the same with Tom McClellan and Edmonton. Yep. And he's staying on there for another year. He also added that Brian Newton Hopkins is not going anywhere. So anyone looking for a dance partner for an RNH trade, it looks like it won't happen just yet.
1: So maybe he has learned from the Taylor Hall trade. Um, yeah, Gordon if he there. does
0: trade r yeah, maybe he won't do a one-for-one like he has been known right. to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, in theory, it could have worked out, but he should have gotten more out of Taylor Hall, if you're going to yeah, say that. Yeah,
0: I think that's been well-established already. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, in theory, like, yeah, I get it, because they had a lot of wingers already, um, and Taylor Hall would be the most, um, would get you the most, but he just didn't get enough, so I think that that's really the, the uh, thing uh Auntie Ranta is signed. Oh, we already talked about Edmonton. Um Ranta is signed to a 3 3-year uh, deal 4.2 million. This is this might be a steal, I think. Uh Auntie Ranta finished the year with a 930 save percentage and a 2.24 ga- goals against average. Of course, he only played half the year with 47 games played. But he also finished uh, with a winning record, twenty-one seventeen and six, um, on
0: Arizona. That's solid.
1: Exactly on Arizona, um, he finished the season really well. Um, re- yeah, that's a, that's. I phrased that correctly. Um, I think this could be a steal if if uh, Ranta continues on doing this. Like they're like, I mean, I know it feels like they're the under the radar pick, uh, to like bounce back. Like we mentioned. Earlier on in this, uh, like I think two episodes ago, um, but this just like I don't know this this, is, this could be a steal down the road if if the Coyotes are actually good um, next year. Taking
0: a look at how the contract is structured, he's uh, yeah. getting an AAV of four point two five million. Mm-hmm. I was actually offered a four-year deal uh, in the four to four point five million dollar AAV range, uh, but he ended up taking this one. Uh, so in year one, he gets a one million dollar bonus along with a base salary of two point seven five million. Year two, a base salary of five million, and that's it—no bonuses attached to that. And in year three, he receives a two million bonus and a two million dollar base salary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you said pretty stellar numbers, save percentage of 930 GAA below 2.3. Um, the one thing about anti Branta is that the cap comparables to his new deal are Thomas Grice and Scott Darling. And those two boys have had their moments. Both were solid with their respective teams a year or so ago, but this year both failed to meet expectations. And another guy that you could put in this conversation is Cam Talbot.
1: Yeah, it's much it. Like,
0: like I, I think Ranty Ranta is one of those guys that, if healthy, can be a dominant goaltender in this league. But then you also have the periods of the time where, you know, you might be injured or he might be inconsistent. And now the question becomes while he was consistent for this year, what's next year and the year after looking like? And the years after that? Like, we don't know at this point exactly who Antti Branta is. True. We have no clue if he can keep this up. But if he can be consistent for the foreseeable future, I think they've found their goalie for the next five to seven years. Yes. And for a guy who's 28 and you're in the prime of his career, I think the Coyotes could get a lot of good hockey out of this guy. Right. Uh, and, and you also start to see uh, other players in the lineup benefit from performances uh, from guys like Antti Branta. I mean... Kevin Connaughton's a good example of that. At one point since January 28th, Kevin Connaughton had 10 goals, which put him in a tie with Victor Hedman for most goals since the All-Star break amongst defensemen. Yeah. So, when you have a good goaltender that can just do his job so well and just let you do yours, I really do believe this team can feed off of Vancey Branta if he's healthy and if he's good.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And, um... I, I saw this quote that uh, OEL was saying that if uh, he's going to the World Championships uh, this se- season because he doesn't think he thinks that he'll be playing for the coyotes during this time next year. so he doesn't know how long, how many t- more times he can go to these cha- tournament championships um, because he thinks the coyotes are going to be making the playoffs every year. Um, and so, for a
0: penning UFA, that's that's
1: huge, Exactly, right? yeah. Uh, yeah, expe- especially for a guy like OEL. I think he has two more years left, uh, kind of like a Carlson or Dowdy situation. Um, but uh, it looks like he, uh, he likes where the team is headed. Um, I'm not sure you can say the same for Carlson. Um, Which is, you know,
0: four or five months ago, that yeah. OEL was the kind of guy that we're talking about, okay, Trading where man. is he going to go now?
1: Well, I think, I thought the Coyotes were always going to say, like, he was always off the table, like they were never going to actually trade him. Um, but, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, we have to I go mean, on, though. there, were,
0: there were some tires being kicked, but yeah. it appears that if, there, if that was the case, it's put on the back burner now, which is good.
1: Um, Ryan, uh, so speaking of teams to turn it around, uh, Ryan O'Reilly made some news, um, at his, like, the presser, like, the, uh, I forget the exact... The
0: season-ending press conference where they probably clean out their lockers or something yeah, yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, cleaning day or something like that. Um, yeah,
0: garbage so, day, I think is what they call it.
1: So he asked, um, he was kind of asked about the season, um, and he says, it. it's crept into all of our games. Yeah, it's disappointing. It's sad. Um, I feel throughout the year I've lost the love of the game multiple times and just need to get back to it because it's eating myself up and eats the other guys up too. Um, he's saying that the Sabres have adopted this mindset of being okay with losing. Um, it's kind of, I mean, if I were the Sabres, I remember like last year thinking about like being the Sabres and you look at like the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers making the playoffs and they were on the same trajectory as them. Um, and then like this year when you see the, the Golden Knights and... Um, you know, even, like, uh, the Devils and the Flyers, they make it in. Or the Lightning, you know, like, teams that were so... Or the Avalanche, like, teams that were so bad last year and then they make it in this year. It's, like, uh, it's got to be so upsetting for guy, for the Sabres. And um, I don't know. So, like, I'm also, like... So, I, I do give... I do love... When players speak out of turn, because you know, like he could have just said, like, you know, I, we, we tried our best. We hope. Let's hope. I'm hope, but I'm still hopeful for next year, and all that stuff. But yeah, instead, like the
0: same old cliches that you yeah, get out exactly. of you know, the average player, But right? then,
1: so I, I, give him kudos for that. But at the same time, it's just like this is the guy who like crashed into a Tim Hortons and left the scene. Uh, Afterwards, and you know, like, I it, like it just and like he, I don't think he demanded a trade out of Colorado, but it, he was clearly unhappy there. Um, so that, like, this is your captain, it's kind of like a strange, um, choice to be a captain for your team when this is a guy who's like doesn't really can't really deal with adversity well. Um, so I don't know, I, I feel like, um, Maybe it's just a Ryan O'Reilly problem, but I do give him credit for being honest um, and all that stuff. But um, you know, it's just a sad situation because I guess the Sabers really do need to get going because they do have they do on the bright side that Sam Reinhardt was really good um, towards the end of the season. Jack Eichel's back. Maybe he'll he'll have play a full season. You know, so it's. Um, it's certainly possible that they, um, you know, they could they could be back, but um, I don't know. I feel like this is the the team that is in most need of Erasmus Dalene type guy, um, yeah, for sure. And, and
0: at the end of the day, this is a team that's been rebuilding for God knows how many years, like feels yeah. like six or seven years now. Like at some point. It, it's, at some point, you're going to say enough is enough. Like, we got to yeah. start winning here. Things have got to change. Yeah. And you heard Jack Eichel mention it, that he was sick of losing at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And now Ryan O'Reilly uh, might be echoing similar sentiments. And, and regardless of whether or not he actually said that, the fact is the general manager comes up and says this to the media. Quote, right now we have a losing culture here. I don't want to hear how disappointed they are. I want to hear what's going to change. It just can't be about words. We have to have better results. I've been here for one year, and I was pretty ticked off and upset. I guess I could be articulate, but I will just say it stinks that we won't be watching live playoff hockey right now. End quote. But that's coming from the GM. Yep. That's coming from a guy that's making decisions to help this team win. When he's saying that, and when the head coach backs him up, I do think there is a culture of losing in Buffalo. And whether or not he said it, the GM said it. Yeah. So... I, I think the point remains: there is a losing culture in Buffalo, and they got to fix
1: that. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure how they fix it. I guess they just make a lot of trades and like don't trade, like just keep. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah they've they made don't... a lot of trades already.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, I guess like what they can do is just keep Eichel, Ristalinen, and Reinhardt, and then trade yeah. everyone else. <laughs> know, know who the
0: players are going to be long term, and then deal with the rest as they go. Yeah,
1: I guess that's a good point. I'm just trying to think of exactly, like, I don't know if there's, like, a quick and easy fix is my point. The only quick I and I don't e- think
0: there is. I guess the but only quick you, and you easy real, fix... You really gotta figure out, you really gotta be on the same page
1: now. I think the only quick and easy fix would be is you get Rasmus Dahlin, so you win the lottery, which um, which they they haven't had a good luck with that when they were trying no. to lose. Because they, uh, they failed in getting Ekblad. And they failed in getting McDavid. I mean, of course, they ended up getting Reinhardt and Eichel. But, you know, I, I'm sure they would rather have McDavid and, and Ekblad. Um, and then you have... Um, so they haven't been that great. And then they, uh, they didn't even... I don't think they were close in getting um, Austin Matthews. Um, so... Uh, yeah, they haven't had that much luck, and I guess they just need to fix their defense and then their goaltending situation. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you trade Ryan O'Reilly um, if he's... I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think that, that could be something. Um, now I'm just going off the rails here. Uh, speaking of attitude problems, uh, Bert and uh, the Atlantic Division... Uh, the Montreal Canadiens also had their press day, cleanup up day. Uh, Mark Bergevin said that he's talking about Carey Price, and he says, I told Carey that around 99% of people like him, and he shouldn't pay attention to the 1%. He's a sensitive guy. Maybe the criticism affected him. I don't think that's why Carey Price was terrible this year. It was because he was injured for most of the year. Um, so I don't think... I don't don't necessarily like that statement of it. Um, And then he also said, um, just in the team overall, it was a disappointing season from start to finish, and that was unacceptable. The overall attitude of our team needs to change. We will do a complete assessment of our hockey operations. As general manager, I take my share of responsibility. So I guess it's okay that he takes his share of responsibility, but at the same time, if you're blaming the team on their attitude issues, um, just as opposed to like, you know, actually doing your job and getting a center, uh, when you, you know, and getting a defenseman, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think you should, uh, focus on that instead of worrying about the personality issues of your team. Um, if you
0: don't like their personality, just do what you did with P.K. Subban and trade them.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that probably wasn't a smart idea either, but um, it's just... The, I find
0: it funny how he calls out the team with personality issues after he trades P.K. Subban. Well,
1: I think it's its its kind of crazy that he uh, called out Carey Price for having a bad attitude when he's, like, the main reason why you guys were good for, I don't know... Five years. The
0: fact of the matter is, <laughs> Carey Price was injured, not himself, not 100%, and his team was no better. And yeah. the guy who makes up that team is the one making excuses.
1: Yeah, it's just... He, I don't better, he
0: better own up to his side of the criticism, because he made the frickin' roster.
1: Yeah, I know. It's just, like like, he's the reason why the team stinks. It's not, like, it's not the attitude of the team. I mean, I guess in a way, like, he is creating a losing culture if we go back to the Sabres. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, so um, so in that sense, it's just, I don't know. It's That's a ridiculous statement to make.
0: As the, say, as the saying goes, if you want a better cabinet, bring me better wood.
1: Yeah. This might be the first time that both me and Steve are hoping that the Habs get uh, played better because that's just a ridiculous statement to say for a GM um but yeah oh, he
0: also said that he's going to fix this and I'm curious as to how he goes about that
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know uh speaking of making major changes uh Tom Dundon because they don't have a gm net still um, he said that the well, they
0: actually actually uh interesting you should mention that Don Waddell is the interim gm
1: oh interesting okay but anyways uh interim
0: is the keyword interim is the keyword
1: tom dundon said that I love that last name, Dun Dun. Um, <laughs> he said that either the players he, uh, he the Canes need a major shakeup. Um, either the players have to be tougher, or you bring in tougher players. I guess there is something to be said about that, but at the same time, it's like like when I when you think of like Sebastian Aho, Teuvo Teravainen, Tar- um, Jeff Skinner, and all those guys, Jordan Stahl, like you don't automatically think of them as being tough. But at the same time like toughness isn't as important as it was 10 years ago even five years right. ago so like, like I don't,
0: look at vegas yeah right now yeah they may not be tough but they're fast and they're good
1: so and also like the Kings don't even need a major shakeup. they just need to fix their goaltending they're, they're pretty solid on the forward line and the defensive side of things too because you have justin Falk, noah anafin jacob slavin's pretty good too so it's um, they really just need to fig- like get better goaltending. Um, they don't need a, like a huge like make shake everything up. Um, so that I have an issue with that. But um, so maybe Tom Dundon isn't necessarily um, the great owner that we all thought he w- could be um, when he originally bought the team. So we'll see how that goes.
0: I think I think it's more of a necessity when he says this because he's in a tough division, like the Metro Division. And when yeah. he says tough, by tough he means make it tougher for your divisional opponents to go up against you. Yeah, okay. And maybe when fair. he sees those set dead matchups, he's just like, we're not tough enough to compete with these guys. Whether it's you know being tougher on the puck, being tougher on the body,
1: like right.
0: tough in what way? True. Like, it's it's no secret that this that this team is very young and they have some growing pains to get through. There's no secret there. Do they need better goaltending? Absolutely. I do believe their goaltending let them down this year. It wasn't it wasn't just Scott Darling. I think Cam Ward has moments where he wasn't very good.
2: But yeah.
0: I think this is a learning experience, and and you've got to a, a, adapt and add in certain areas where you're not where you think it could be better, but. It's honestly really tough to compete in this division, and I think true. the Hurricanes, in that sense, uh, kind of have a case of bad luck, because you can only do so much to improve your team. Like, you're not going to turn into a Pittsburgh overnight.
1: Yeah, true. I mean, they are—they were 14 points behind the Devils um, in the standings this year, so it's not like they were, I don't know, like they were so far out, but... Of the and there play- was a
0: point this year they were in the playoff spot too.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I was about to say like they they were pretty cool in the playoff push through, for the most of the season, um, you know, because the the entirety of the Metro Division was like was pretty close until the very end, um, you know, like you know the Islanders and the Rangers even had some push to them too, and um, you know, so it's kind of like. I don't know, it could have, Carolina isn't a terrible team, I just don't, like, they do definitely need better goaltending, Um, I just don't think you need a major shakeup. I guess is my point. Um,
0: Yeah, I think you do need to change, if you keep it the same formula, you're not going to get really more ahead, in fact, you might fall back a little bit more. Yep. So I do think changes need to be made, but watch what changes you make. Because if you make the wrong one, then you're. How are you going to be any better than you were a year ago?
1: Yeah, true. We um, we forgot to mention this last year, uh, last week. I forget why, but uh, Minnesota Duluth. Well, we, had, uh, we had the
0: playoff preview and a lot to talk about. Oh, so. that's
1: right. Uh, Minnesota Duluth won the uh, the Frozen Four. Um, I think this is their first championship. Um, but, um, they beat Notre Dame, um, to win that. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, college hockey. I'm looking here at the box score. Uh, they won 2-1, um, so that's cool. Um, they, I'm trying to find out who scored for them, but I can't find it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, congrats. This is the school's first um oh no no the Notre Dames that would be Notre Dame if Notre Dame won they would that would have been their first title um, this is their second Minnesota this, this is the second time Minnesota won um, but um they lost to Denver last year so in the championship uh, so there's that. Um, Steve, are you still with me? I feel like I'm yeah, I, I'm
0: still here. Um, also, uh, by the way, um, there one of their standouts, Joey Anderson. Uh, according to a report in the Minneapolis Star Tribute four hours ago, he has signed with the New Jersey Devils. So good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, big news there, and also uh, two days to go. Um, Minnesota Duluth assistant just taking a look at his uh, name here. Uh, Larson is his last name. Brett Larson is his full name. name. Uh, St. Cloud State had a coaching vacancy. They have filled that with the appointment of Brett Larson as their new head coach. Uh, He uh, was uh, an assistant at Minnesota Duluth, so he's now going to St. Cloud State.
1: Okay. Um, It's 4-2 Wild, so you may have a point, Steve. Um, And the Mm. Capitals are up. Two uh, one uh, on the Blue Jackets. Um, Happy uh, Patriots Day. There won't be a Red Sox game tomorrow, but or I guess today if you're listening to it on Monday. Um, but there, I guess there's it's going to be a marathon, um, rain or shine. Um, but uh, no Red Sox game, so I'm sad about that. But um, at least they'll have uh, the uh, the a game three of the boston toronto series late at night even though it's not going to be in boston so i'm interested not...
0: to see if uh, if things go awry how many times they just pan to maple leaf square on uh, the tv broadcast here in canada uh, just a bunch of de- a bunch of dejected leaf fans everywhere you didn't see that on uh saturday because uh apparently the weather was so poor they they canceled uh, the venue showing there
1: oh yeah that's a good point yeah <laughs> I mean, I guess that's, so that's a good that's, thing,
0: right? You're just wondering where are the Leaf fans outside Maple Leaf Square, while well, they weren't there because the
1: yeah. weather was crap. Well, so. that's a good thing though, that, because it wasn't a good game for them. Yeah, um,
0: exactly. So was, yeah. they didn't miss anything at all. Uh, they just watched the horror unfold in their own TV.
1: Uh, this is usually the, where we do the Bruins send segment, but I. So I do want to mention that I think R- I did mention that Riley Smith, uh, Riley Nash, I'm Riley Smith. Riley Matt Nash is like practiced today, so there is a good chance that he comes back tomorrow. I was kind of upset that uh, Ryan Donato uh, was wasn't playing in game one, and I just like I was hoping that Cassidy knows what he's doing, but it was mostly just because everyone else was healthy. Because uh, Rick Nash came back, um, David Krejci came back. Uh, There's another one who is also back, but um, so. Um, I don't know. I think Ryan Donato was a good reason. Was a good. Um, he was like one of the, our best players at the end of the season, so I thought like he deserved a chance, even if it was going to be on like the bottom three, like the bottom two lines. But um, he did play game two, but that was mostly because Tommy Wingels got injured. So, oh. um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he has a chance now that. I guess the one good thing that Tommy Wingles is out is that Ryan Donato gets to play, um, so so there's that. But um, I don't know. I, I if you want to do any quick sense news, I don't know if it's if it's going to be quick, but if you haven't,
0: uh, well, I'm going to be expanding on this. I'm going to try maybe like report something, do a bit of like a solo rant, maybe okay. try a couple of those and see how it goes. But, uh, they did have uh, some town halls, uh, about how to improve the fan experience. They talked about parking. Uh, there could be uh, some, uh, parking savings there uh, next year, which is good. Um, a couple of key points though. Um, one of the fans asked Pierre Dorian, the champ of the Sens, if you don't know by now. Uh, they asked him, uh, can you give us an assurance that you won't trade Carlson on draft day? And he uh, leaned into the microphone and he said yes, much to the delight of the fans. Um, however, uh, there there were a couple of points. Um, wait,
1: wait. Hold on. He, the, he, he asked on draft day, so that could mean that he could be traded before draft yeah, day. Yeah,
0: like uh, like at, <laughs> during the NHL draft.
1: Yeah, during like, the
0: NHL draft, he, uh, can you give us assurance that Carlson won't be traded?
1: Oh, okay. And he I thought said yes. I thought you put like, like, like the fan also said on draft day. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Through, throughout the NHL draft, can you give us assurance that Carlson won't be traded? And he said yes. So uh, they also added that uh, Carlson uh, would be given an eight-year offer by July 1st. Of course, he is still with the team, and. um... There was also an interesting comment from Melnick about uh, the dollar signs for Carlson's contract and uh, how they could be outgunned by certain teams. Like, you have 365 days to sign the guy. True. Like, at what point can you say you're being outgunned by somebody, you know? Unless you can't afford him.
1: And uh, there was
0: also another point where...
1: uh, This feels like a setup, though, because they're trying to say, like, oh, well, we offered Carlson his contract, but, like, in case he, like, denies that, then he, like, you know what I mean? Like, then he, like, that gives a, a turn for the fans to turn on Carlson. It's like, oh, well, he turned down a contract. Well, okay, well, then so long, you know, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And, and there was another part where, where it's just, like, the whole accountability on, on Melnick's front. Like, uh, you, you remember, uh... When he made those comments uh, during, uh, you know, the alumni game back in December. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where uh, we're fighting, fighting every day to sell a ticket, honest to God, that kind of thing. Right. And apparently he goes on to say that was blown out of proportion by the media. It was on tape. <laughs> How can you say it was blown out of proportion?
1: Well, maybe was it out of context? Is that what he meant?
0: How can it be out of context if it was on tape? And they just report what was on tape. It's That's just like, true. no, I didn't say that, you know, word for word, you know. They, they, well, they then, it out of proportion. Then maybe
1: it's like out of context. That's what. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to defend him there. Maybe, you see, you see, I think what
0: not. he was trying to do in the, in the heat of the moment, you know, especially with, you know, a bunch of fans, you know, looking at you and, and judging you from your past yeah. mistakes. Like, like there was a one point where, where Dorian asked the fans, how many UFAs have left here? And a fan boards out. What about Alfie? And then Melnick <laughs> goes, "That's different. He wanted to go to Detroit, where you look at a transcript where it says Alfie or was Jason not shutting the door on the sense. Right, like he was still open to going.
1: What's staying in Ottawa? Well, like Jason Spezza. Did anyone mention that?
0: Yeah, I don't. I wasn't at the town hall, so I, I wasn't quite sure <laughs> if anyone mentioned Spezza. But one mentioned. One fan mentioned Alfie. And then Melnick like, responded to that by saying, you want to go to Detroit, but that's different. And then Booze erupted for the crowd. So he was, <laughs> like, he was trying to save face. I a part of me believes he was trying to save face. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I guess there is, like, that aspect of things where he is at least, like, communicating with the fans. But Yeah, yeah you're right. and I like,
0: give him full credit for that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I give him full credit for staying there, taking the questions and all that. But But there are just some parts where it's just like, What's so bad about owning up to something if you messed up? Right,
1: right. That's
0: being accountable. That's being an owner. That's being a human being. Is being accountable to stuff that maybe you should have handled better. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he did anything wrong, but I'm just saying if you did something wrong, then then own up to it and, and just I don't know. There was there's some piece of evidence that I I think he just like tossed it out of the rug. He's just like okay, nothing to see here.
1: Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I,
0: I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a perception of the fans. Like we just we just don't get it. But yeah. anyway, so I'll, I'll tackle that in a in a future like solo rant, and also okay. uh, talk about uh, the Humboldt Broncos as well on a, on a future date, more in sure. depth there as well.
1: We'll do. Um, look forward to that. Um, all right, so our, I guess we can finish the show now. Uh, Lace them up. He's on Twitter. Uh, Steve has been really good on the Twitter sphere. Um, with Lace Up Podcast, uh, check that out, check that out there. Um, we also are on Facebook, Lace Them Up, um, we're no longer on Fantrex Radio, I feel like I always have to say that, we're back on SoundCloud, um, yeah, uh, that's, I think that's it, um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve
0: Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 122 of the Laysomote Podcast.
1: Enjoy the playoffs, and uh, happy Patriots days for everyone who listens in Boston, Massachusetts. Or Massachusetts.